Hi, hello, welcome to the after party where I feel more alive than I've ever felt. <laughs> my whole life has culminated in this day where my brother, who has been a DM for 15 years, I think, or more, and I, who grew up as theater kids, he wrote a module for me to play on our D&D podcast where I got to talk to stage managers and steal props and help entrances and do all the things that any good theater kid dreams of doing. This is literally everything that you've worked for. <laughs> Yeah, it this really is. culmination of your entire life. Okay. It really is. So is it all, I mean, I'd hate to ask. It, it it's can't, over now? Is it all downhill from here? I, yeah, I, I yeah, guess. I think so. I think I'm, exactly. I'm so, that makes pivot sense. to something totally new. That's yeah. good, actually. Yeah. 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 I like that attitude. <laughs> so I spent all of middle and high school doing technical theater in a super intensive arts magnet program where we spent like 30 hours a week doing theater stuff after school at night way too late child labor probably bad and connor joined uh early in high school as well connor who wrote the module that we played this game tell us about that eric yes thank you connor mclaughlin for writing this lovely module this is what happens with connor when i'm like hey connor like i've been thinking about this thing can you just like write up something it doesn't have to be that detailed and then he writes me things that i think that i could just like insert into any module or official dungeons and dragons campaign it's just like so well written and like structured and detailed this is the tension that i was talking about before like this thing is so good i don't want to miss or change anything so. he also wrote a bunch of items for us too right like he made up the our champion items i think right at the end of political party he wrote up that entire ceremony where you guys got the magical items definitely the shadow cowl and the um the, lantern. Light, the light lantern he's been helping me a lot with like ideas about what the undying light does and how it functions and what that stuff would be and it's so good i'm so glad that i got to run this Connor's also a big, big nerd because he left me two full, like, write-ups. He left me the old version of this module at the same time, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Just in case. Version control. And he is at CC McLaughlin on Twitter. First of all, I want to say that Connor did not write in Greg and a soup store and a big confrontation with a man with uh, eight arms and everything. Knowing Connor for like at least five minutes, I think everyone <laughs> would assume he did not write a soup store into his campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. It's just, it's me. The meaty river runs through me. <laughs> Bang! Oh, oh no. This oh, was a mistake no. to play a and d with Eric. <laughs> I'm a little surprised you didn't do any kind of soup Nazi reference, but I'm okay with I, that. I thought about you it for were, a second, I but then I moved, your away, I moved away from it. Yeah, I could see you consider and then move back from that reference. My life. <laughs> oh, dear. Lord. That's a different character. Oh, though. sorry. Not, I got confused. Um, you know, we were just talking about how you guys didn't know where Greg was and you hadn't ran into him. And I'm like, you know what would be a great time to run into him? On his way to the opera. He is an opera boy, like, for sure. He's oh, such yeah, an yeah, opera yeah. Boy. Definitely. I bet he has, like, lots and lots of cloaks of various colors, weights, seasonal appropriateness. In fact, I think it would probably be fun for Greg to have to dress for a different season every day. You really get to, like, That's cycle true. your whole wardrobe. Or even multiple times a day. He definitely yeah. has, like, a... What's it called when you have people who are following you with stuff? A litter? Is that what it is? When a have... litter is when you carry a person on, like, a raised bed of stuff. He probably so has, like, attendants. That. He has attendants who have, like, dressers on, yeah. like, on him. Wait, I kind of <laughs> want this now. This sounds really fun, actually. 
Yeah, so I thought I'd bring him in. Uh, and he was, is not happy to it was, see yeah. E3. It's kind of traumatic, but I don't. I just I want what's best for Greg. I want Greg and Alonzo to be happy and together. Like that's genuinely what I want. We definitely didn't endear him to ourselves, but I think we Inara, didn't do any damage either. I don't think you and I didn't. Well, Tracy sure did. I mean, hey, the usual. Listen, in my ideal world, we would help Greg understand the truth or our perspective of what Alonzo's been going through, and then give it to them to figure it out. But that's, I think, why Inara is here. Uh, not just because there's cool, interesting problems to solve and the speaker wanted us to, but because maybe we can be helpful and right some of the wrongs that we, if not contributed to, then didn't help prevent. Here's what I hope the audience picked up on. <laughs> Greg is being a jerk. He's being an unempathetic and unsympathetic partner to a man that he agreed to spend the rest of his life with. He's being... A jerk. But it was a throwaway line about him not understanding Alonzo. So I hope the audience understands that Tracy, even though he has a lot of differences and a lot of differences of opinion with Alonzo, he uh, respects Alonzo and thinks he should still be treated fairly by his partner. There's so much romantic drama tied up in this. It, it depends who you're, who you're thinking about. Do you guys not think Greg's being a jerk to his husband? Both Johnny and I think that... Um, they're both kind of being dicks to each other, but also that it could be easily solved with communication, as most problems can be. Sure, yeah, yeah. But Greg's not even taking the time to figure out the context and motivations for it. Like, I, I, I won't disagree I mean? with you there. I, I mean, I don't disagree with your thesis that they're not communicating with each other in a way that they could figure things out. You know, Alonzo's been traveling a, lo a lot, so should Greg just be staying at the castle the whole time? Probably not. But should they be talking? Yes. I don't... Just because my character sheet says I'm a licensed therapist, even though that gets cut every time I say it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's weird. There's, that's a weird cut. That's so just, odd. That's a wow. weird cut that the just weird, Did you hear that bleeping. jump cut that just happened? A, a flute playing for a minute there. Um, this is probably not the healthiest way they can solve it, but it's also we're the wrong people to be giving, I think, advice. Uh, especially our characters, for sure. Our yeah. characters are, yeah. I understand how Greg is has been profoundly hurt and is reacting in a way that people who are profoundly hurt can react. You know, I think it probably should be on Alonzo to right the wrong and to go the distance and to, you know, like to come and explain himself because Greg, I think, has a, a real case for like feeling and as if he's been really abandoned. I do, though, definitely advocate for communication. It's the most important thing in all interpersonal relationships. So, I mean, to answer your question, you know, I think I'm Alonzo's friend first and not Greg's. You know, like I, I knew Alonzo first. We knew Alonzo best. That's why we were there to protect him and his beloved, who is Greg. So I I would love for Greg to be more sympathetic toward Alonzo, but I get it. And I get how Greg thinks that it's justified. So it's just, you know, it's a tough situation. The problem yeah. is, is I think that they're jerks because they're both acting like children. Because they and are that's children. Because they are children. I mean, well, yeah, the thing is, like, the thing that, like, threw it over the line was, like, you can be, for my opinion, you can be upset and hurt and utterly devastated but you don't go and write a letter that says like we're over when you have committed to this person in, in marriage i just don't think they're handling it well yeah. but that's also the worst if that means going home for a little bit and hanging with your bro and going to an opera i don't think that's the worst thing maybe don't immediately be the most upset to see these people who <laughs> you know for a fact are here doing stuff <laughs> for the entire continent's sake like we're, we're though i will say that like greg did not know that i well, will say that greg well, he, did not I don't know think that he, i i mean i totally get that he knows that he doesn't know the the anything about zale which i found the most interesting part of that exchange 
exchange because didn't mean to bring up bad wedding memories either. I just I think Johnny's the only one who's came out like <laughs> on bad. top of this. My Johnny's bad. the only one who interacted well there. No, it was surprising that he didn't know anything being like supposedly an important figure. I would assume that he at this point does know that if we're somewhere, it means trouble is abound. Yeah, which is why he was pissed to see you. Well, it's like it, you're bringing trouble to his doorstep. I mean, or it's as if we're solving the trouble that's been at his doorstep, well, a.k.a. I mean, the different... If, if Greg went home to be home and collect his thoughts and be with people that he you know, knows and trusts, and suddenly these representatives of all of the problems that he just left show up, like, I get it. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah. Like, when FEMA shows up after a hurricane, I'm not, like, upset that FEMA Do has brought... Do you think brought... that the three on. of us are Hold FEMA? On. Hold yes. on. Let me get through this argument. <laughs> like, that FEMA is, like, the ones who brought the hurricane no they're like gonna try to fix the fact that there's massive ecological damage happening to this entire city state i'll okay I'll, first i'll As say FEMA. this is what i was jailbirds with a hurricane here i am jailbirds with the hurricane okay so that's one two is these things are happening simultaneously like greg leaving and the shit going down in chronopolis are simultaneous big political issues like, Greg is leaving and took Regina in a way to let him leave. So I don't think those two things are related. Um, yeah, Greg doesn't necessarily know why you guys are there. So seeing you would make him understandably upset. And I think that you guys are like bad news bears FEMA. You go, you go and you I try like to rebuild it. FEMA. And you I try to rebuild a house and then you knock it down accidentally. Like we're not that. Oh come on, we we've not been that. I bad. can see it from the outside. I think that people we've enjoyed this adventure, but like from the outside, you guys are a little. You're still like the ragtag bunch in which you started in episode one. Like we show up where problems are, and it may not be obvious that a lot of the time we are helping to solve those problems. It could just be that we're you know oh nope another disaster. Yep nope there's that dumb face, which is why I want to wear a knight's helmet on stage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm listen. I I have sympathy for everyone involved but i i get how like alonzo and greg haven't been together for that long and i understand that like when the the like honeymoon early phase of a relationship like when the going starts to get tough it can be really shocking and obviously they've dealt with probably their own you know political drama but like their wedding was so exciting and huge for their families for each other for the country and it must be really devastating and shocking when things start to go wrong or you start to feel as if that narrative is changing. So I hope that we can help Greg. Like, honestly, I want to solve this problem, get Zayol out of that compass slash my life and uh, try to help Grilonzo as much as I can. <laughs> definitely. Uh, this was definitely, this is also one of those moments for me where I had to play the character and not what I wanted, wanted to do, which is unfortunate, but Tracy yeah, Tracy's thinks he's a jerk. That's what the after party's for. I know. As much as he has a problem with Alonzo, he's on Alonzo's side. It's true. You guys have such strong feelings about Alonzo's behavior until Greg shows up, and then it's like, Alonzo was a perfect angel with feelings, and he's very sensitive. Well, that's our fault yeah. for not communicating. Like, we're also not, we're also guilty of not communicating. It's like when you say, only I can make fun of my sister that way. Like, that's how I feel about Alonzo. Only yeah. I can, you know, critique right. Alonzo's behavior in this manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is definitely one of the most fun modules I've ever, I think I've ever played. Yeah, in general. Like, anything in I've general. seen on RPG Drive. Anything I've seen on the internet. Uh, Official wizard stuff. <laughs> Seriously. This is just like very, very good. You could play this for literally any person if you just like fit it into your campaign and you think it's goofy enough. And um, I think this is a good example of podcasting smartly and collaborating smartly also. 
it's important for you, Eric, where normally you would come to your nerdiest friends with your D&D ideas and campaign stories, but we're on this campaign with you. And, you know, you can't talk to everybody who listens to the show about it because then you would spoil them for plot. So it seems like it's really important to your process to have people you can bounce ideas off of and take input from. How's that worked for you over the last year and a half? Oh, I mean, it's been really, really important. There's a reason why I have creative collaborators. I mean, I knew I needed this going in. I had to throw a lot of stuff about gods off of Julia, just to, like make sure this entire world worked. I check with Hetty to make sure that things are not fantasy cliches because she knows everything about Lord of the Rings back in front. Uh, and I talked to Connor and Misha Stanton, who plays the Undying Light, about like how game mechanics works like if something will function, if something will be fun, because they have a lot more D&D and RPG experience than I do. So like I need people to talk to who's not you three nerds, because then it's going to ruin things. And you might tip your hand. and I love keeping you in secrets. What is uh, y'all's experience with theater? I am not actually a theater kid at all. I was in, sort of in band. I was in jazz band. So like not the really. The nerdiest of bands. I, yeah, I wasn't really even a band kid either. I was... Um, I was adjacent to everything. So I played in jazz band, but not regular band. I was in the pop show choir, but not choir. I played instruments in both of those two. So I sort of was like on the periphery of everything. And I, I was dating someone who was in theater at the time too. So like I got to hang out with everyone without the stress of having to actually like memorize lines. Sounds fun. Although I will Smart. say my greatest performance of all time, I was seven? And my yes. <laughs> my brother was doing a high school performance of this play. I don't know if it's a, I don't think it's a famous play, but basically it's like a war play, and uh, they needed a child to die in the show, and I volunteered. Amazing. The, my favorite part about it was they they made the fake blood out of like Hershey's chocolate, and I kept just eating it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> now one of Julia's best stories is she was the prop mistress in our high school theater program. And she would just walk around, like, dipping her hand in the vat of, like, corn syrup and chocolate syrup blood yeah. and, like, licking it in front of the freshmen. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fun hazing ritual. But I hope she enjoyed my journey to the prop closet because it shouldn't be unlocked. You shouldn't take anything off of there. And as a stage manager, it is my worst nightmare to have the idea of, like, props being left in the wings five minutes before curtain, not in their designated places, outlined like a body with chalk on brown paper to see <laughs> where they should be placed. I, no, I can't. I did a middle school theater acting, and then in college, I was part of our Shakespeare theater company, and I did a lot of backstage stuff, lights, sounds, assistant directed a couple times, stage managed a few times, chief morale officer all the times. Classic. <laughs> yeah. But only once on stage in college, and that was for an outdoor show because the school screwed us over with giving us the space. They promised it to us and then gave it to someone else of Midsummer's Night Dream. I was um, oh, nice. that king at the beginning and end. The dad. Yeah. The I was the, yes, I was oh, the yeah. dad and bringing everyone back, like the start where it's reality and the end where it's back yeah. to reality. Nice. Do you guys have any theater horror stories? Have you ever forgotten a line on stage or like forgotten Infinite. a lighting cue? Oh, or a, I do. I have one. Please so tell me. What's I your was, theater experience? I was a big, big theater nerd, but I only came to it in like junior year of high school. I played football freshman and sophomore year of high school. Classic jock to theater <laughs> story. Yeah, I was such a up. jock, obviously. Wait, what was your position in football? I played lineman and middle linebacker. Oh, nice. Yeah, was Isn't there fun. a high school musical about this? No, it was <laughs> basketball. 
But uh, enough about High School Musical. Uh, yeah, I got super into it in junior year. In senior year, I was in this play called Rhymers of Eldritch. Have you ever heard of that? No. It sounds like, like a D&D module that you definitely made up. Yeah, oh, my God. Does. I should absolutely do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> so it was this like really weird like nonlinear play about like small town secrecy and like all this weird stuff is going on. It was an ensemble piece, but I played this guy named Skelly who was, like, an old man who lived in a shack and was, like, kind of sort of homeless. This is definitely a D&D module. Because, do you want to hear why? Because he was in love with, like, the rich guy's daughter when he was a young guy, and then they ruined him, and they told, the rich guy told everyone that he fucked goats. I swear to God. So he studied magic and then wreaked havoc on the town. And then he became, like, drunken and, like, out of it. The entire character I played, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. The whole yep. time. Yep. The exact whole time. Yep. This is just Eric. I yeah. also had a 10-minute monologue. Oh, boy. 10 minutes? 10 minute monologue. That's wild. Five of the small script pages. Back to back to back. Oof. Yeah. How did it go? It went really well. I crushed good. it because I'm amazing. Good, good. But uh, the, the horror story- Humble He shows too. up on game day, Brandon. Shows up on game day. <laughs> the horror story I was- I get touchdowns and then I take the monologues. <laughs> I contain yeah. multitudes. I, I take off my football pads and I put on my theater pads. It's called a cod piece. It's fine. <laughs> it's called a dance belt. Um, so the the horror story for me was that at the end of the show, I get shot with a shotgun because, you know, that's what happens. And I was standing on one side of the stage and my friend who was shooting the shotgun was standing on the other stage. And there's a sound cue of the gun shooting. And the gun gets shot when the sound cue goes and then I fall over, right? It, this is like near the end of the show. So I, we're standing there and like we're, we're face up against each other and she's holding the shotgun and it just doesn't come. And we're waiting there for like five seconds, seven Tension seconds, rising. 10 seconds. And then she realizes it's not going to come and we look at each other and she just shoots the gun. <laughs> she's like, I'm shooting the gun and then no, I fall over. That's not how you improv that, that scene. sounds like my worst nightmare as a soundboard operator. Like, yeah, right? That is yeah. very bad. So it turns out that the computer froze. Oh, yeah. It was like a silent shotgun shot. It was high school. It could be whatever fucking artsy shit. The shooting. lights yeah. go grayscale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then well, she shot me and then I fell over. Uh, that happened in our, our sophomore year production of Romeo and Juliet where I think Connor was just getting involved but I was doing all the soundboard operation last minute for Romeo and Juliet like the soundboard operator either was sick or quit or something so they like wrote me in four weeks into sophomore year and that was also the first time I got drunk where one of my friends who was assistant stage managing uh, was drinking tequila out of a water bottle backstage Theaters, theater kids are wild. Oh, yeah, Dude, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't know. You have no idea. You, you have no hoard. idea. You have no idea. In this case, I got drunk in intermission. <laughs> and so accidentally, I didn't know what I was I didn't know what I was doing and or what I was drinking. And I had never had liquor before. Anyway, much stronger than I thought. And um, <laughs> so I like white knuckle my way through the first act because I had not read the script before. I had someone else's like scribble down notes to do all the sound cues. And it is so elaborate. In act two, like the sound cues were getting more and more precarious as I tried to, you know, have my timing and keep all my thoughts about me. It was totally fine until a gunshot late in the play that ended up being slightly early. Oh no! <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad that I started a creative endeavor with you three. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you, Eric. Sure. 
what was the system in which you decided the audience's satisfaction rating? Okay, so and what I, was our final rating, which we never got? Your final rating was a seven, seven? which yes. was the uh, so the final not scene bad, didn't go up at all in that final. We no, eight. you guys were was a hot mess. I'll take it. This was the lowest score you could get for a extremely positive result. So you guys took care of that. Uh, let's see, seven was. The audience enjoys it. You see some people chuckling long after a joke landed. So you guys, you took care of business. Um, throughout the module, Connor gave me some outlines on like when I could give you points or when I could take away points. Um, and you guys did your best to keep people entertained, especially right in the beginning when Johnny did his archaic time-appropriate dance. Just, I don't know why that happened, but I'm, I'm not 20s, against it. baby. I'm not, I'm not against it. <laughs> yeah, we so, had a lot of crits this game, good and bad. Yeah. God, so many freaking crits. What were some of the things that could have that we could have done to get our score lowered or raised? Sure, okay, so in Act 1, if you did not stop the rope, the rope would have pushed the two actors playing the princes together, and they would have accidentally kissed again, and then the audience would have went, Woo! Uh, which would have raised the score up by one step. <laughs> Wait, really? Because it seemed like a funny improvised moment. But if you had failed really poorly, then the rope would have coiled around you and pushed you into a different actor, which um, would have lowered the score. Let's see, another one uh, in Act 2. If you had gotten more hurt, like 20 points of damage more, then the fight would have seemed gratuitous and, vi and overly violent, and you would have lost two points. But since you got uh, within the 10 to 20 range, uh, it was a dope fight, and you guys uh, raised up by one as what happened. Did you know what parts we were going to play? Like, did you have parts to assign us if we didn't decide for ourselves? Uh, you guys could, could have figured it out yourselves, but it just so happens that you all put your, like, preferences out from the jump kind of wrote the available parts out and it just so happened that it fit really really nicely you're like no i don't want anyone to see my face well do i have the part for you <laughs> did you think that's, that's the parts we were going to choose i thought it would have been funny to be the, the old bartender if choosing i probably would have chosen the uh the bodyguard the most stabby i would have picked the bartender i want to be a butt that would have been fun <laughs> could it just all shift in one role to the right <laughs> Well, what did you think, Eric? Did you have ideas of what we would be? Nah, I'm sure you, knowing you three, you would have told me immediately which ones you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, Paige would have been like, true. I have these lines, and you're like, I'm great. You're all grabbing at what, which ones you want. Well, I know last module, there were some big things that we ended up totally circumventing. Yeah. Did the same thing happen here? You probably could have ruined the play. I think a lot of stuff. Uh, I tried real hard to not, so <laughs> I don't think it's possible. We really tried to keep this train car on the railroad tracks. Um, if you had really fucked up, the results for three or lower is pretty bad. So I'm glad that you circumvented that one. What were the results for three or lower? Uh, you really want to know? Yeah. yeah. All right. We're not going to have another play. For three or lower, the audience leaves grumbling, making snide comments about Paige as they leave the house. Paige is super upset and cries in front of the party. The muse emulating the show fakes dying in hopes of cheering Paige up. Perhaps this makes her smile and have faith in what comes next. Perhaps she thinks it's too real and runs away, believing she killed something special in the world. Oh, no. Poor Paige. It's super is... dark. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's check. I want to do... Let's do a check-in. We are now... What? Are you making all of that? You're making your own stings now? Yeah. So I don't have to do it in post. So we're four, five now, labors into the labor party. Yeah. And we have not and cannot apparently heal. No. Where, how is everyone doing? Well, you can heal. You just can't sleep. Yep. So, yeah. Nope. That's not good uh, either. Um, I'm at 50 health points out of 56, so I'm doing okay that way. Doing good. But every visit back to Zeol, I'm getting more and more 
frustrated and tired emotionally and psychologically as well as actually physically. So I think it's just going to start impacting me uh, more than usual. Fish, how you doing? I'm not doing the best, but I'm not doing the worst with a 48 out of 70 hit points. I've only used one level one spell slot, though, so I'm actually doing really well. Oh, nice. Spell-wise, I've been very uh, conservative. conservative. Yeah, I've been very conservative with my uh, magic use. I have used a warding flare, and I believe I also used one of the Undying Light charges as well. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, so I've... Two of each of those left. Well, your boy has not been so conservative. He is out of the spell slots. <laughs> oh. I like the way I use them all, though, so I'm very happy with my choices. And I'm at 52 points out of a possible 81. So, like, all not, right. not all terrible, right. not bad. We're all around the same hit points, which isn't the worst. I mean, you guys always do well to, to negotiate not taking damage, so I think that that doesn't actually surprise me. I'm it's looking... more about the magic, which I'm, I'm interested in, and your things that refresh after long rests. Yeah. I am looking forward to chopping someone's limbs off to give them health. I know. I'm ready for you to use the sawbone <laughs> and try to get them to stay put. What are our two options for the next- What uh, we have left is- Labors. Let me check off the labor in my book of times to come in real life. <laughs> book of things to come in real life. Things to well this one is the real life one so it's times ah, yeah. I got it nice. yeah. it's, Different like avoid confusion. it's the knockoff version you get at the gift shop clean the horse stables H-O-R-S-E <laughs> in all caps <laughs> and then finally complete the labyrinth of dawnrise that one terrifies me I think yeah. that might be the last one that has to one. be last right yeah. okay yeah Thank you again for coming with us on this journey, this farce, this tragedy, this tragic comedy, this tale of times to come. This was super fun. I'm so happy. And if you would please share with us your uh, most exciting or most terrifying theater stories, I have a hypothesis that most D&D nerds are also theater nerds, so I'd love to hear from you. We are at Join the Party Pod on all the places, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. You can send us Instagram messages. You can do that there. Or, as always, in our patron-only Discord, where those that give as little as $1 to join the party can join in on the conversation, ask questions, live blog the episodes as soon as they come out in our spoiler channel, share photos of your pets, and your treats and the stuff that you bake and the books that you're reading. It's a lovely, lovely place on the internet. It feels as good as hitting that final sound cue to play the exit music as your cast walks off stage. And I think that's about it. Bye, guys. See you later. Undying Light be with you. Bye.